as you go through that transition of your house settling more, getting more acclimated to the uh, seasons and going through some of that on there, that everything still functions. Your door opens properly. You're not walking through there and hearing the loud creak as you walk through uh, your kitchen floor or anything like that. We can't fix for when little Timmy decides to draw all over your walls or anything <laughs> like that. Um, Hopefully there. it's a pretty picture and you'll, you'll be proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Art of Custom from Hibbs Homes. Sponsored by Pella Window and Doors and Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery. In this episode, the whole Hibbs Homes gang gets together to discuss the custom home building process. Each member of the team brings their expertise to the conversation with lots of good tips for those looking to build a custom home. Enjoy. You might guess there's a lot of noise from nail guns to heavy equipment when it comes to building a home. And our loyal house junkie listeners know there's also a lot of decision making too. But before we can strap on the tool belt or you can pick that favorite sink, there are some very important steps to consider. And when your builder hands you the keys to that beautiful new custom home, we really aren't saying goodbye, are we, Melody? No, it's see you later. See you at the 11th and four, four month, month 11 month. And, and then what <laughs> we, we tell our clients and most home builders, or most, I should say, custom home builders, they aren't saying goodbye even after that first year. They hope they stay friends with you and, if, and you can you know, use your builder as a resource to help with anything that comes up. It, it really is quite the process to build a custom home. It is. And, you know, I'm going to go back to the marriage analogy. Oh, you gotta, really? Yeah. You got to pick somebody that you can trust and it's going to help you problem solve. So and- It's true because it's a long relationship. Think about it. You're going to meet them during the sales process and then you're going through the, the design process, the budgeting, the construction, and the warranty. So you are married for at least two years before you can quote unquote get divorced. Right. Um, so it's a, long, it's a long process and many custom builders across the country work the same way and have that same process. Right. And we're going to do something today that is a little bit different. Speaking of process, you know, the process with most builders, it is the same, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot more people involved in the construction process (laughs) than just the Kim Hibbs, the builder, the president, and, you know, the salespeople. So we've actually moved our studio into our office and we've been working over the last year to kind of make it to where we can easily record. And that has given us an opportunity to bring everyone in our team in for a recording. And I love our team. So it's it was really, really crowded in the office at, when we recorded it. It that really one day. was. I mean, we had to ask poor Jan to sit on the floor. Jan's my wife. She's also the, uh, the vice president. And, but yeah, she, she in good spirit did. She sat on the floor and we had a great group in here. And that's what we did. We, we talked about the, the building process and what you can expect if you're going to build a custom home. Yeah, we pulled together as many team members as we could pull away from their desks and the jobs site um, to step you through all of those other important pieces of the home building puzzle. We uh, took you through on a deep dive in season three, but now we're going to give you a little bit of information about everything you need to know about the process that you wouldn't see because it's a little bit behind the scenes. If I'm going to introduce the Hibbs team, I have to start with the boss and that would be Jan Hibbs, also known as my wife. 
She also has the title of vice president, chief operating officer, chief babysitter, just a lot of titles around the Hibs office. Jan, nice to have you a part of the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And you, you've been on before. You're a veteran. Yes. Um, and, and also a veteran of the, uh, the podcast is Chris Pedigo. Chris wears a couple of different hats. You notice a theme here. When you're a smaller business, you have many different titles, don't we all? Anyway, Chris Pedigo, Director of Sales and Director of Construction. Nice to have you back. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be back. It's uh, it's good to have you here. And Fritz, you're also a veteran of the podcast. But last time we had you on, you were singing. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, do you remember the song? Uh, you know what? I don't remember the song, but I will spare you all this time. No singing, I promise. <laughs> so you're, uh, you work with our uh, clients on their selections, and you help pull all those selections together, making sure that uh, the colors come together, the, the materials, the look there that, that they want is taken care of. So it's nice to have you with us as well. We do have a newbie to the podcast this year. His name is Zach Horstkamp. Um, he might be new to the podcast, definitely not new to Hibbs Homes. He's been working with us now a couple of years. He's our project manager, also handles all of our uh, budgeting. Zach, very nice to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> he has a big smile on his face. I know he's looking forward to this. What we're trying to do is give listeners across the country an understanding of what the process of building a home would be like with a custom builder. So we want to kind of take them from start to finish. And Chris, we're going to start with you because that's where the sales component, put on your director of sales hat for a moment. And talk to us a little bit about when those leads come in, when you first start talking with someone who wants to build a custom home, what's that conversation like? And then also, should they be afraid to call in and talk to somebody right away? No, I think it's a great idea to talk to a builder early on in the process. Really, the earlier, the better. The initial conversations we will typically have is trying to to really get an idea for the the homeowner's vision, okay, here's the house that we want, get, kind of get an idea for what kind of finish levels they're looking for, what they're wanting to put into that new custom home. And then we have general discussions about their desired budget because as costs increase and as they, we want to make sure that we help that client set realistic expectations that balance that budget with what they want in a house and, and make those two meld together. So how much homework should someone do before making that initial call? A little bit of thought, just if you're prepared to talk about the house that you want and, and maybe, you know, how many bedrooms do you need and how many, what are, what are your ideal things that you want in it? We call it a wants, needs, and wishes list because we want to prioritize. So when you come to me and say, hey, here's the house that we want, here's the things that we have to have, here's the things we'd love to have, and here's the things what if the budget allows... Let's put that in there, too. So we kind of prioritize that way early on. So if you've got some initial thoughts on that, that's helpful. And it's always important, I want to stress that, it's always important to be honest with the builder what your true and actual budget is, right? Absolutely. Because we're, you know, we're, not, we're not trying to design a home that doesn't fit you, but we also want to keep you online with, um, to, to balance those two. So if you're, if you're honest about here's where we have to be, we can be real helpful in here's what will fit in that budget. And here might, this might be a push early on in that before you start design and before you get too deep into the process so you can have realistic expectations. Yeah, and I think a lot of um, a lot of our knowledge goes into helping you hit that targeted budget, whether it's the design component or the selections component, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. It really is important to make sure you come to the builder and have a, a realistic budget. Many times people come to us and think, well, I can't tell them what the, what the real budget is because they're going to spend it all. Well, that's the idea. We want to deliver the house that you want for the budget you have. And so that's one of the reasons to, to make sure that we are communicating with the builder up front. Too. Absolutely. Um, wh when do you take it from the process of that initial meeting on the phone mm -hmm. to a meeting in the office? 
once we have that initial meeting, if we can figure out, hey, you know, and we, we talk a lot about our process and about what we do and who we are and our team. And if it feels like a good fit, you know, hey, this budget seems realistic. This seems like this is a good possibility that, you know, we can help you proceed in that process. Then that's that's when we want to have that meeting and come in person and and really get deeper into it. You know, we want to help folks, even if, if the budget's not the right fit or maybe custom's not the right route for them, we want to educate them on the process and the cost and all that because, you know, you may be wanting to head in a different direction early on or it might be a perfect fit. So we want to have that initial conversation to get that ball rolling. And you do like to have them walk through some of our projects, whether it's during the framing stage, for example, or even a finished product whenever possible. Absolutely. Um, On both cases, realistically, we want to show, you know, the finished product shows, hey, here's what a luxury home looks like when you move in. And what kind of things are, are possible in that. But we really like to have customers walk through our homes at that framing and insulation stage because when you're, you know, we're a high performance builder. So I like to educate folks on here's how we build, here's what we do and why we do it. And it's so much easier to see that in person and point it out and explain and educate what those things are doing as opposed to just looking at it on a sheet of paper. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that our listeners need to, to really think about is making sure that you are talking with a builder that is going to let you talk to past clients, that's going to let you walk through some homes to understand you know, what, what you do that might be a little bit different than some of the competition. So we've gone through kind of the lead generating stage where you've, met, you've talked with someone on the phone, you've had a great sales meeting, they're ready to move on. Uh, Jan, I'm going to bring you into the conversation here because this is where usually some sort of a contract needs to be signed. Most of the time, builders will work under what's called a pre-build agreement. They might call it something different, whether it's a pre-construction services agreement or a pre-design agreement, that type of thing. So, Jan, talk a little bit about how the contract portion of it usually works at this particular time with builders. A lot of times what this contract is uh, is spelling out to the client is what we are going to do to help them get to ready to build. And that will uh, entail working with the architect ordering surveys, ordering soil tests when needed, doing all the pre-work that we need to get your documents drawn up and ready to build. And most of the time, a builder is going to have some sort of a fee attached to that. It depends upon the market. It depends upon the size of the house, the price of the house. That can vary. But it's very common at this particular time that you do have to put down a deposit. Many times, that deposit is going to then be subtracted from the uh, the actual budget for construction. But again, builders will handle a little bit differently. Just be prepared to have some sort of a contract in place at this particular time. Because, Chris, that's where the design process starts, and that's where we actively engage. Jan mentioned that we're going to help um, with the architectural phase. We take that very seriously because we want to make sure that they design a home that can be built for their budget. We do. Um, We stay involved with that design process. We have the client and the architect kind of include us in some of those preliminary drawings as they come back and just put a builder's eye on it. And, And a lot of times that's real helpful to say, hey, you know, I know we started with this budget and, you know, with what you're drawing here, hey, this is right on. You guys are good. Let's go. Or before you get into those construction documents and the more detailed drawings, if you can say, hey, right here, we probably need to pull back a little bit because I think you're going to exceed your budget that we're trying to hit. Or yeah, let's design that home with the knowledge that we're probably going to go over budget because of these items. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the builders will actually have an architect on staff. That's what's called a design-build contract, where the, uh, the the builder is actually responsible for both the, uh, the architectural side of things um, as well as the construction side of things. We don't have an architect on staff, so we are very active when it comes to working with the architect. I think that's something that you would agree with me, that we would recommend that anybody who is building a home, 
That builder needs to be very active with the architect because we don't want them to over-design for the budget. Absolutely. That's not a slam on architects, but architects, they want to build fantastic houses and so do the homeowners. But you really need that builder's input because that's the person that's going to budget that house. That's the person that's been budgeting houses over the past year or two and knows current costs and knows what maybe some of those little extras that you're trying to throw in there, they're going to be able to give you better input than the architect on what those true costs are. And working with a builder up front, you, we're going to be very active. All builders will be very active with the client. There's, there's a lot that has to do with the um, preconstruction if you will. And sometimes Janet mentioned surveys, sometimes there's soil reports, sometimes we have demolition that's involved with it as well. So those are all things that we're involved with in the very beginning of the process. Yeah. A good builder will keep you in the loop on those kind of things too, ahead of time. Here's what's coming up and here's what's going on, just so you're kind of in the know and, and understand the process. One of the things that we take very seriously is our, is our budgeting process. Um, we want to be very thorough, which we are. The budgeting process takes at least a month to get the numbers back and to make sure that we have uh, accurate numbers that are um, reflective of what it truly is going to cost to build that home. We're going to turn to and bring Zach and Ann into the conversation here because you both enter the phase at this point. And one of the things that we do is have what's called a pre-budget meeting. And again, I'm saying we, but you know, use you could substitute builders because builders in general, will, well, custom builders will sit down with their clients at this point and have a good meeting about, okay, what is this house going to look like? We have the plans. They're drawn. We know exactly what on paper it's going to look like. Zach, let's start with you. When you have that pre-budget meeting, what do you discuss and and how important is that meeting? Uh, That meeting is pretty important. We like to go over as many details as we can. The more details we have, the more accurate we can be, and the more realistic that budget can truly be when presenting to that client later on down the road. The biggest thing we like to discuss is the things that you don't see on the print. You know, what kind of finishes are you looking for? How you're going to do your windows? Uh, What are your stairs going to be like? Uh, Are we doing hardwood? Are we doing carpet? Are we doing tile? Uh, What type of countertops? What type of cabinets? You know, all those things right there, as minute as they might be, really play a large role in the whole scheme of the budget. This podcast is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors. Pella is the industry leader in innovation and style. Windows have become a key element in home design, and Pella has the product and professionals to guide you to your perfect solution. Pella is cutting edge in energy efficiency, durability, and performance. If you're tired of looking through screens, check out the Pella Integrated Roll Screen that you won't see until you need it. Pella offers the broadest selection of premium products to meet any budget and any design inspiration. Allow Pella to show you what they can do to improve the style and comfort of your home. With Pella's limited lifetime warranty, you won't have to worry about windows and doors again. Call 314-714-0100 to make an appointment or visit our showroom in Chesterfield Valley. And this is where, you know, because you're involved in these meetings up front as well, because you as the designer on the project need to really understand what this client is looking for. Zach used the word finishes. That's the same thing as selections in my mind. What are the finishes for the exterior? What are the finishes for the interior? So talk about that a little bit from your perspective during this pre-budget meeting. We'll talk more about the selection process in a minute. You're right. They definitely go hand in hand. And we had talked earlier about uh, photos, inspirations, ideas. 
again, in this phase, it's very important to have those things and bring those things to the table. A lot of times people have been thinking about this custom home for years and years, and they've got a whole file of you know, ideas and a wish list of things that they want. And now is the time to bring that up so that we can be sure to, number one, get that included in the plans, and number two, make sure that the things that they really do truly want fit in the budget. And now is the time to kind of pick and choose which of those items are most important, um, as well as you know, the level of finishes. Anything you want to share with our listeners that they might want to be prepared for for this meeting from your perspective? Just, you know, bring the ideas in whatever form works for you. It really depends on the person. Some people are paper people. They like to bring a a binder of ideas. Um, Some people are Pinterest people. Um, Some people just like to bring in pictures on their phone. But always... I feel the more prepared you can be and bring in the more information you have at this point, the better off you're going to be because in the end, it really is your home. Mm -hmm. So we can guide you through the selection process, but I don't want it to become, you know, my design. It needs to be the finishes and the custom items that that particular client really wants. Zach, do you have any recommendations for um, clients who are coming into the pre-budget meeting, what they should be prepared for? The biggest challenge we seem to come across there is what they're wanting and what really is a reality of right. of what what can truly happen. And I think the, it's been more difficult over the past couple of years because of construction prices. They've shot up so quickly that it's kind of skewed what we are used to and what clients realistically expect for their for their budget. Absolutely, yeah. Like uh, Ann had mentioned earlier, the, and Chris, these people, you know, possibly have been dreaming of this house for a couple of years, and in those couple of years, a lot has changed when it comes to pricing on there. Things just aren't costing the way they were even six months ago right now, even though things have kind of slowed down a little bit. So doing some homework on seeing what things are. I mean, go go look around through some of these appliance stores and lighting stores and see how things are. Ask how things have increased on there and come prepared to know that you may have to make some changes to your wants to get the needs that you need for this house. No, that's a good point. And it kind of ties back into a term that we use quite often in our office. And I think it's a term that many clients will hear regardless of the builder, and that's industry standards. Industry standards is something that we try to help educate our clients and help them understand that if you're building a $600,000 home, you should be spending this amount of money on cabinetry, flooring, plumbing, lighting, etc. If you're spending a million dollars, this is what you should be spending on it because it really does make a difference when it comes to the lending component and the appraisal component to make sure that everything's in balance. And so the National Association of Home Builders puts out every year that industry standards list, which helps builders understand that if you're building this price of a home, this is what your clients should be spending for the various finishes or selections. But sometimes, as as Zach mentioned, that can be difficult because people, they're building a custom home. They want to be able to put what they want in that home, but sometimes it's out of whack with the industry standards. Right. That's true. Industry standards really help because we see each component broken down. And if we can try to stay within those guidelines, it's really very helpful. But not to sound like doom and gloom. You know, we can really (laughs) help you 
figure out and find a way to work with you to get those custom elements that you want. And they may be a version of what you had in mind, like maybe a full, you know, paneled library with books, you know, floor to ceiling, you know, that may end up being, you know, just a smaller version of that. One wall of built-ins with maybe a, a library ladder that's not as elaborate as something that they originally had thought about. But we can always help you figure out a way to get those things that you want. And I think that's what we do really well. Custom builders are going to be a little bit different. We're fortunate that you're on staff and, and you're, you work directly with our clients. Not all custom builders do have a design team like we do. Sometimes they have someone who does nothing more than just coordinate meetings for their clients and the client is responsible for you know making all the selections. Or sometimes builders are working with various independent contractors who are designers. So just be aware that it can vary from builder to builder exactly how they handle the selection process. But your information was really good because whether you're working with someone on the builder's team or an outside designer, the process is basically the same thing. I think that you should go prepared if the builder hasn't offered, well, what are the industry standards? I think you should bring up that term and and see what the builder, his, his eyes will probably open up, not, not thinking you understand what that means. But it's important for the client to be somewhat responsible with these selections too. Oh, for sure. I think as a homeowner, you would always want to know, you know, I've got this amount of money that the builder is allotting for cabinets. So, you know, it's good to know that up front for each category. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we try to help you with as far as the industry standards. Zach, how long does the actual budgeting process take and kind of walk us through what you're doing at uh, at that particular time? From the time I get the blueprints to the time that I present the budget to the client on there. It's usually about a four-week process. Sounds about uh, right. On there. Uh, I like to sit down before I even meet with anyone and go over the plans and look at all the details that are in there and get familiar with the plans, see what things are called out on there so that if something seems to be out of line for what their budget is in my eyes, it's something that I can bring up now and start having the tough discussion of, it says this, but it may not be able to happen on there and start preparing them for that scenario should we have to down the road at the budget presentation. I know that we're very thorough when it comes to budgeting and we're going to be sending out the plans and getting specific quotes for that specific plan. So we are spot on with our budgets. Um, That's the way most builders do it. And I think it's the right way to go. Um, But it does take a while. I think four weeks is about right. So be prepared to wait a little bit of time. And during that time, Anne, a lot of uh, meetings start to take place from a selection standpoint, because what we want to make sure is when we're setting what we call allowances in our budget, we want to make sure those allowances are accurate. So talk about some of the meetings that you're starting to have with the clients and what does the term allowance mean in construction? The meetings start and that's the fun part. So allowance is really we establish an amount of money for instance the cabinets and rather than saying it's a set amount of I'm just going to throw a number out $50,000 we say that you have an allowance of $50,000 and that allows you some flexibility to either go above or below or stay right on target with that number. Um, So once you actually start going to the vendors and I take you out and we meet things become more real and you'll quickly realize, okay, I'm either going to stay right there at the 50 or I'm going to add a few extras or gosh, I can find some great ways to save some money. So that's why the allowance is so important because we don't really want you to be locked into a certain number. We like that little element of flexibility. 
Four weeks passes. Zach, you try to get everybody together again. Anne's usually in on that meeting. Chris is in on that meeting. You lead the meeting where the, the client will come in, sit down, and review the budget. What's that like? Well, we sit down and we just kind of go line item by line item through there, giving each category in there the specifics of where their money is going to for this. You know, for instance, you know, if the foundation is called out as a nine foot pour, that we're, you know, we put in there that this is for a nine foot pour. We're, we're including the uh, use of three pump trucks on there for the duration of their time doing this on here. And any other things that they're included in their bid, uh, just for peace of mind for one for the homeowner and, or the client so that they kind of have a understanding of what that money is being allotted to on there. And it also helps our superintendents in the field on there because whenever they're sitting there going, what are we doing here? They can go on our uh, co-construct system that we use with everyone and see on there, okay, well, according to this, we're doing a nine-foot pour. We're getting this much rebar at this locations. We're doing this size footings. uh, So that when the foundation guys say that they're completely done, he can go back and double-check their work and, and see that according to their scope of work that they are truly done on there. And it's just a matter of going through there and making sure that each client then understands that category, and and we move on, so on and so forth down the road on there. You had mentioned CoConstruct. That's our project management software that we use. It's a a really cool system because it allows us to share information internally, but it's also a great communication tool with our clients, and we can share um, a lot of the selections information, a lot of the quotes that come in for selection. So when uh, when you were referring to CoConstruct, that's what that means. And again, most builders will be using some sort of a project management system, whether it's CoConstruct or Builder Trend. There's other in the market as well. But embrace it um, because it really does help the builder become more organized. So, okay, so we've gone through, you've met with them, they see the bottom line total. Sometimes we might have to tweak the plans a little bit to cut some costs. It's been happening a little bit more of late. Um, don't get discouraged at this point because it's it's really common. It's, it's very common, as a matter of fact, to maybe have to go back to the architect, redesign a couple things quickly, the estimator rebudgets it. But the, the goal there is to be able to meet that budget that you told Chris early on in the process. So Jan, let's say that we are able to do that. We have a, we have a budget in place, the client's comfortable. Um, We're ready to sign off on the contract. Talk a little bit about the contract phase and where we go next. The contract phase is where we take the budget and all the information that has been gathered during the PSA section of the, uh, the work and put it in contract form for you to take to your lender. And that is uh, what you uh, submit a contract and we're telling you we're going to build this house for this amount based on the allowances that you have. Even though we've set the original cost on the construction as we're moving through, it allows you to, to make choices in the field or down the road. So it's a contract, but it's uh, something that can be adjusted with selections. Once that's signed, the PSA is then kind of dead and void. We've moved into the next section, and we submit your budget along with the contract to your lender so they can get your lending uh, in place for construction. We sign the contract pretty quick, and the lender will uh, usually take four weeks or so to order the appraisal again, once again, Everybody is making sure your house falls in line with all the other houses in the area. So they'll order appraisal. They'll probably ask for more documents. And uh, your lender will probably have financing that uh, 
includes your land, your construction, and then at the end it'll go into permanent financing. But uh, we are at this point kind of on hold until you get a clear to close on your construction. You know, unless for some reason you're one of those people that can pay cash. And then once we get a clear to close, then we're ready to build for you. I know that during that time period, you're right, there's not a lot going on, but some of the things we are doing behind the scenes would be getting the permits. So we're working with the various municipalities to secure the building permits. A lot of times we are in the process of making sure that the property is is staked out for excavation and things like that. So we have some work that's going on. I do want to mention there's a couple of different contracts that you can sign with a custom builder. One is a fixed price contract. Another is a cost plus contract. They are what they sound like. Fixed price, the builder's going to come to you and say, I'm going to build you this house with these specs at this particular price. Your selections are still going to be allowances. So that means you can spend more, you can spend less, because usually at this point, all of your selections are not finalized, and that's why they're allowances. But that's why we also encourage you to make sure your builder has a real good understanding of what your finished levels are going to be like, because they want to have the appropriate amount in that allowance for each of those categories. The other is a what's called a cost plus contract, and that's basically where this is the cost to build the home. We're going to add add X percentage on top of that for the builder fee, but it's not fixed price. So what you have to be aware of is your prices may fluctuate, whether it's lumber, concrete, foundation, framing. You hope your builder has done a real good job budgeting and that you don't have any issues. But the thing about a cost plus contract is you're going to pay the actual cost to build that house plus the builder fee on top of it. So talk to the builder. We operate under that fixed price scenario because we like to make our clients comfortable that this is going to be what the price is, um, exclusive of those uh, selections, which can, can go up and down. All right, construction, Chris, let's come back to you. Change your hat, get rid of your sales cap and design hat and put on your director of construction. Walk us through construction, if you will. Well, we just, you know, we get the in the field process started and one thing that we do is is we keep our, our clients pretty informed, and we do a lot of um, as we go through that construction process, we let them know what's coming up, what's you know what's the next phase, and then we do several walks with our clients because the custom home is exactly that, and there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of things that may look different in the field than they look on paper. So we like to have our clients get on site with us and and do some walks and, and put eyes on the project in person, and and that way we can adjust as needed through the construction process on on little items and that kind of thing. But we do like our clients to be educated on what we're doing and when we're doing it so they feel like they're a part of the process. And construction times are going to vary, of course, because you don't know what part of the country you're in. You don't know what, for example, building in Utah is different than building in St. Louis during the, the winter because there's a lot more snow. The size of the house, the complexity of the house also makes a big difference. And then right now we're dealing with labor shortages. We're dealing with supply chain disruptions. So it's taking us a little bit longer. So generally build times are taking a little bit longer. But what do you generally tell people as far as how long it takes to build a house? Um, a lot of it does depend on the size and the complexity of the house. But in general, our homes, we try to shoot for that 10 to 12-month range. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes if it's a larger home or in some of the things that we're doing in northern Utah, it could take up to 18 months, too, oh, typically can, because yeah. of the size Exactly. And, and, and like you said, that, that's very regional-specific as well. But yeah, they, we definitely have a shorter building season on some aspects out in, in Utah than we do here. Um, same thing here, though we do have weather. Um, you know, you can have unexpected. We do build some of that into our schedule. 
but you know the unforeseen is exactly that so you can you can have delays depending on when that house is built you know you can have a month where not near as much as you expected gets checked off of that calendar so you know we do keep an eye on that and we do try to keep our clients informed of when we start a project we say here's our intended schedule Mm -hmm. and then if we have those delays as we go we're keeping on top of that and we communicate that we say hey you know we thought we would be under roof at this point here's why we're not and here's what happened and then you know here's kind of what we expect moving forward and how much this is going to push us back so we try to keep a a general overview with our clients there so they can really tell what's going on. So from the sound of it, and, and it's one of our core values, is communication is the key. Make sure that's that's something you talk to your builder about and make sure you're comfortable with them. Find out how often they're communicating with you, what type of communication it is. That, I think, is something that's very important. Also, another good question to ask your builder is, what kind of access do I have to the house? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to be able to go in when I want or, or are you going to control when I can come and go? We believe in full access. That's just who we are and how we do things. And then also you had mentioned this, um, just want to reiterate it. There are several points during the construction process where the client will be needed for walkthroughs, whether it's electrical, plumbing, and things like that. But that's something else also to ask the builder and make sure that they do include you. This is a custom home. You need to be there to set uh, shower head heights, for example, the controllers, where your outlets are, where your switches are. So it's very important that the builder include you in a lot of those walkthroughs. And back to you. Let's talk about what are you doing during the construction process at this particular time um, with the clients? So at this time, we'll really start getting into finalizing the selections as far as cabinets, countertops, lighting, plumbing, flooring, all of those selection items really, really need to be firmed up. And again, that's why it's so important prior to this to do your homework and have some ideas in mind so that when we get to this point, we really can finalize things and pull it all together. And then, of course, you know, we'll be going out to the house and helping the client, as we talked about before, doing these walkthroughs and that type of thing. Jan, talk a little bit about the disbursement process, because obviously that's very important, and and we want to make sure the clients understand how the dispersing process works for a, a custom build. There's usually uh, two parts to the construction dispersing. You have what is the fixed items and the uh, allowances. So um, a lot of builders will use a dispersing company, and they will gather invoices, create a a draw, as as you would call, and they send it on to the dispersing company to communicate with the bank, and then there's inspections done on the house to make sure that the house is at the level that you're asking to be paid out to the vendors. The dispersing company then collects money from the bank, pays the, the vendors, and collects waivers so that all the proper paperwork is to give you a clear title at the end of the contract or at the end of the build. And the, uh, so you have your fixed cost for us where it's just coming from the bank, but this is where if you do not put a contingency in your contract, a homeowner who is going above on allowances will need to come out of pocket for those. So we usually encourage our anybody who's building with us to put a contingency in their budget line item. So if they choose uh, an allowance that they feel they really want and they go over the budget, then it, it's financed and the money is coming from the bank to pay for that. If they don't put the contingency into the contract, then at that point we're asking the client to to send in funds for any change orders and stuff like that. 
I think that's such a great point, and, and hopefully our listeners are, are going to kind of highlight that one. Put a contingency in your budget in case you run into unexpected upfront with excavation, or like Jan says, if there's something going on with your selections, if you have a contingency in the budget and you don't spend it, you don't finance it. So it's nice to have it there just in case. A couple of other points. Sometimes builders are the ones that are getting the money directly from the lender and making the payments themselves. Talk to your builder about that a little bit, making sure they're collecting lien waivers. How's that whole process going to go? Because the the key thing is at the end of the process, you want to make sure that you have a final lien waiver from everybody or anybody who's worked on that project so they can never come back and say, well, we didn't get paid for this and, and file a mechanics lien on the house. There are builders, instead of doing disbursements like we do periodically throughout, they'll have a schedule and the schedule is already laid out as far as what it's what the disbursement process looks like. That's fine as well. If the schedule is already laid out, just make sure, obviously, that the work that the builder is asking to be paid for has been done and done properly. Now more than ever, it's important for you and your family to enjoy the spaces you're in most often. Count on the experts at Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery to help you make the most of home and create a space you'll love to live in together. Shop online or schedule a personalized consultation to discover stunning products from the comfort of your own home. Chris, finalizing construction, that that last push to get the house done. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about a punch list walkthrough and things like that for the client. Yeah, it is always, you know, wrapping up a home, there's always a lot of moving parts and a lot of things going on at once. We like to get the house finished, and, and the way we schedule our time is to get the house finished, have our final clean crew come in and really polish the house up like move-in ready, and then walk the house with the client. Um, there's a lot of things that are not going to show up until those floors are clean and those cabinets are wiped down and, and that kind of thing. So we want to have that walk, and then we like to give ourselves and our trades a week after we do that walk, and that's their time to come in and polish up those remaining items so that we're not having to to come back and, and do to at least minimize the things that we would have to come back after the homeowners moved in and do punch list items. The warranty period, Zach, we're going to talk to you a little bit about this because I know you handle the warranty here. All builders are going to give you give the homeowner some type of a warranty. Most of the time, it's one-year workmanship, 10-year structural. Let's talk about the one-year workmanship because I think that's where you know most people have questions. With us, we um, offer a, a four-month and an 11-month walkthrough and take care of whatever needs to be taken care of at that particular time. But talk about from your perspective, what should the homeowner know about that one-year warranty? What to think about, how to plan for it, what to do? Uh, The biggest thing is keep that running list of items on there, of what you feel needs to be addressed or may not have been potentially uh, what you think was not done properly on there. And when we get to that four-month time on there, that this isn't me trying to be the bad person. I don't want to fix it for you, but it's a, sometimes the homeowners don't understand that what they want is just not, is not feasible on there. That some things just, this is the way it is on there. And there's nothing, no, no matter how much we try to fix it or anything is going to change it on there. 
But with we all use that. HBA industry standards manual, and most builders do. There's a manual that's been uh, produced, and HBAs across the country use it. It basically sets the industry standards for what the problem is and what the responsibility of the builder is. And, and it's in our contract. It's in most builders have a contract that specifies you know, some sort of industry standards or what they're going to do. And to your point, we are going to follow that handbook. And sometimes, I mean, people have to understand we're dealing with materials, we're dealing with human beings who are installing, you know, these natural materials. So there's sometimes that's why we have to rely on that industry standards to help a client better determine what we're, what our responsibility is and what it's not. Yeah, that HBA handbook is, is a huge help on deciding, you know, should we do something, how far we should go on trying to fix those issues on there. And if they truly are an issue at, at all on there or not. And, and I would like to make sure that, that people do understand that they should, as part of the contract with the builder, have some sort of a document that specifies what the, you know, what the responsibilities are going to be depending upon what the problem is. Chris, you wanted to... That industry standards, not only, it's, it's not only a good communication between the builder and the client, but it, it helps when you can go back to a trade because trades have to have something to, to fall back on. So if it's talking about a concrete issue or if it's talking about a carpentry issue, I mean, there has to be a standard to where you can go back to your trade and say, here's why this is a warranty item. And they can, and they have that as protection for them. Here's why it's not, you know. So you really need that industry standard to, that everything's not just a gray area. And Zach, the purpose of the warranty period by the end of the first year is not to deliver the client another brand new house because that's impossible. They've been living in there for a year, dogs, cats, pets, I mean, kids and, and everything else. So realistically, what is the purpose? I mean, we're, we're there to take care of some of the, the normal wear and tear issues, right? I don't even know if I'd call them the wear and tear issues. It's more of the, whether everyone is, is familiar with it or not, your house is, does what they call settle in that first year mm-hmm. uh, from everything, you know, all the pressure and weight of that house coming from the roof all the way down to your walls into your foundation on there does create some issues. And along with that is also the weather on there. You know, our winters out here are very dry out there. Whenever you take all that moisture out of the air, those wood products that you have in your house, they get that moisture sucked out of there and it causes things to shrink. Same in the summertime, just the opposite though. The humidity that we experience here in the great state of Missouri, you know, we uh, things swell up on there whenever they do that. So it's to bring that back so that as you go through that transition of your house settling more, getting more acclimated to the uh, seasons and going through some of that on there, that we everything still functions. Your door opens properly. You're not walking through there and hearing a loud creak as you walk through uh, your kitchen floor or anything like that. It's truly just to get it back to so that after this first year, everything works as it should on there. Good you know, point. we can't fix for when little Timmy decides to draw all over your walls or anything <laughs> like that. On Hopefully there. it's a pretty picture and you'll, you'll be proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you made a very good point about keeping a list, but I do want to let everybody know, make sure you're not sending one-off repairs to the builder because that will drive them crazy because yeah. we've talked about this, Zach, right? You want to make sure that when you're ready, whether it's at four months or six months or 11 months, whatever the builder's warranty period is, you want to make sure that that's when the list is delivered. Absolutely. Yeah. The one-off every now and then, if it's a true emergency, we definitely like to do whatever we can if it is a true emergency on there. Your water 
is leaking in your house on there, by all means, please get a hold of someone and right let us away. Know. Yeah. But as as far as some of these other things on there, your door not closing properly on there. I mean, that's something that we can certainly take care of at the appropriate time right. on there. I uh, sometimes, you know, the crazy thing is, is you notice it on a Monday, a month later. It may not even happen. Well, and to again, your so. point, it could be the weather that's that's causing exactly. whatever this issue yeah. is. You know, gaps in, in hardwood flooring can easily expand and, and close up very easily, depending upon the moisture level Absolutely. in the house. In closing, as far as the warranty period is concerned, what do you want people to know about that particular process? Anything in particular? Come with an open mind on that. We at Hibbs Homes will do everything that we can to make it right for you on there. And if there's something that we that we truly can't do and we've, we've exonerated all possibilities of doing that on there. It's, it's not because we, we simply just don't want to do it or don't want to have the responsibility for it. It's, we have to fall back sometimes on those, on those, standards. on those HBA standards on there. Yeah. And, it, and that's kind of the ugly truth of, of the warranty on there. And, and you, you bring up a good point, and you mentioned we at Hibbs Homes try to do everything we can. I want to be clear that builders across the country do take the warranty period very seriously, and they all want to do what they can to make sure the client is happy, but sometimes you just have to understand that there's lots of moving parts and pieces and trades involved, and that's why you have that document, which spells out the work that needs to be done. Jan, anything final that we need to know about the financing at this point, or I guess when they move to their permanent loan? The biggest thing I would say, which also goes along the way, is make sure that your builder is doing change orders for any Ooh, additional costs. So everybody's on the same same page. You have a legal, technically a legal document if you've signed a change order. So as you're going to uh, permanent financing, you have paid in, if you don't have the contingency line item, even if you have the contingency line item, there should be a change order that has been signed by you and the builder agreeing that this is something additional to the contract. So really going to the uh, final financing, all of those need to be paid up. Uh, Either the builder or the uh, dispersing company would need to have collected all lien waivers. And basically when you're ready to go to permanent financing, give you a final affidavit on the house, meaning we are done, we are out of here, and we have completed everything that we are responsible for. We sign it, the homeowner signs it. That doesn't mean that there isn't some warranty work to be done afterwards. It just means the main construction has come to a complete close. And speaking of the warranty work, though, it will be in the contract with the builder that they have to take care of the warranty work. So that's why you should not be afraid to have the closing take place and everything finalized, the final payment and all. Uh, Because per the contract, the the builder does have a responsibility during the warranty period. I want to stress the importance of what Jan mentioned there, change orders critically important. And that's a great question to ask the builder. How do you handle change orders? If a builder says something to the effect of, well, we just kind of wing it and, and it'll, it'll all washes out in the end. No, it does not. You have to make sure that the builder has a true process to handle change orders. So you get a chance to sign off and understand that to Jan's point, it's a legal document that's binding you to this particular cost. So you know what it's going to be. The builder knows what it's going to be. And then in the very end, you settle up on everything. So that was a, that was a good point and something that we as builders always have to, to work through is making sure we're documenting every single change that goes on during the construction process. Okay, this has been a great discussion. Um, I appreciate everybody's time. Is there anything else that might be one final good comment for our, for our listeners? 
I'll just add when you go into this process is look for a builder that you're comfortable with. And it is a complicated process, but you want a builder that's organized and has a focus on making it an enjoyable process. It is your dream home. You're going to build one. So you want to get the right person that's going to be the right partner and actually make it an enjoyable experience. Good point. And I, I want to stress that don't always look for the builder that's the least expensive because you know a lot of times that old adage you're going to get what you pay for is is absolutely true especially in the construction industry make sure if somebody really does have a much lower bid you understand why compare your allowances make sure that they include landscaping for example make sure they include everything up front whether it might be uh, permitting fees um, if there's a house that has to be demolished, are there, are, is demolition included? Just make sure you're truly comparing apples to apples and don't be afraid to pay a little bit more for an experienced builder, a builder who has wonderful references, a builder who appears very organized because this is a once-in-a-lifetime process you're going to go through and you really want it to be enjoyable. Anne, any other thoughts that you might have for us? would agree just you know have fun with it and you know bring your ideas and be creative okay zach before we get into that budget presentation of what your house is going to cost uh from us is to have a realistic conversation between you and your partner as the client with what are we going to do if it comes in higher how far can we go up to accept financially to build this house on here and what are we going to do if we don't? What are some things that we can give up to get that number down on there with that? Because the sooner we get those things ironed out and can get that figured out, the sooner we can get everything going on here. And as the uh, volatile as things are with pricing on here, the sooner we get going on this, sooner we get locked in on, on these prices on here with everything on with that. So the time really is of the essence. Good advice. Jan, anything from you? Go into it thinking you're going to have fun. There will be the occasional hiccup. It, a lot of it depends on how your builder is going to respond to issues and whether they're going to support you in working through them. But it should be a, a fun process. Excellent conversation. Good pieces of advice from everybody. So Jan, Chris, and Zach, thank you all very much. This has been uh, very informative. That was a lot of fun, and it was fun to have our team involved because they really help shape Hibbs Homes, and so to give them a little bit of airtime, if you will, and have them share some of their secrets to making it a fun and successful project, I hope our listeners learn from that. Yeah, even if we had to drag a couple of them kicking and screaming. Well, you know what? Anne always says she doesn't necessarily want to do a podcast, but she never turns us down. That's because you tell her she can't, Kim. Oh, okay. You're right. I do. I kind of twist her arm a little bit, don't but she, I? She's a great guest to have on. I yeah, think she it's, is. it's worth twisting her arm because she always does such a fantastic job. So. Yeah. And as we talked about during the intro, this is kind of the process that all custom builders will go through. There are going to be some differences, of course, whether you have a designer on staff or maybe they recommend you hire a designer and whether you have an architect or not. So there are definitely some differences, but this was a good overall look at what is it like to build a custom home no matter where you're living. Right. And that's uh, it's the process from the client's perspective really is where, mm-hmm. where we approached it. Um, we, of course, have our own behind the scenes proven process to mitigate, you know, issues and any custom builder is going to have their own way to um, make sure that they're 
you know, addressing problems and concerns. And so it's really from the client's perspective. And it's what I've actually pulled together is a an overview of that home building process, okay. kind of what happens in between each of those steps. And um, yeah, you can download that and get an idea of so what So that'll to be expect. in show notes? It will be, okay, yes. Okay, good. Well, no, that's good because I think it just backs up and reinforces what we talked about. Yes. And I think that's great information. Also, phone number, should anybody want to uh, get in touch with us? Is 314-266-9709. And I have to say, I talk to probably two or three people a week that's who are awesome. listeners. I love that. Yeah, and you know, they're outside of the building area, you know, but right. um, I, I love being able to point them towards resources that we might have available for potential clients as mm-hmm. well that they can, you know, use to compare builders and find something similar. You know, if they're intrigued by, say, the high performance home building process. I don't mind providing that information. And so. that's exactly what we keep telling everybody. Yes, mm-hmm. we're doing a podcast. Yes, we happen to be the owners of Hibbs Homes and we build custom homes, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to help educate everyone about what is the process like, what to expect. The reason I I really wanted to do this is I I believe that sometimes there's builders and remodelers around the country that can get a bad rap if something goes wrong or whatever. I mean, it seems like we get more bad press than we do good press. So I want people to know that this is what we're all about. This is what building a home is all about. Use us as a resource. This isn't a Hibbs Homes is the best. You know, you got to work with us. It truly is. How can we help you? understand that industry. And that's why it's important for us to do this. And we have a team of people who are really passionate about this yes. business. There's no place like home kind of thing. And Ooh, I um, that. yeah, they, you know, they always say, if you're going to start a podcast or a magazine or a blog or something, I bet every single one of us, if we were on our own, would start our podcast or magazine or blog about something home related. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and, and what's in the market right now, you've done your research. There's really nothing out there from the standpoint of, of the consumers as far as how you, you know, what you need to know about building a home. There's a lot of podcasts out there that are they're specific to the industry, but they're trying to reach the professionals within the industry. So it's something different. I mean, we really believe that over the past five seasons, we've been able to deliver some really good information to help a lot of, uh, a lot of our listeners. And we have a cool episode coming up next. Oh, too. I've got to tell everybody what the title is. Okay. I think you did a real nice job with this one. It's Organize Your Way to a happy space. Yes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Because we all know how important it is and how much better you feel if you've organized something. Absolutely. And home should be your happy place, (laughs) right? It'll be fun. That's uh, going to be episode 10. And we will be very happy if you join us then. For more information, visit www.artofcustompodcast.com or find us on Facebook as The Art of Custom and on Twitter at Art of Custom Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episodes and please rate and review to help us grow. The Art of Custom is produced by Hug Monster Sound with original music by Adam Frick-Ferdine. Thanks for listening.